Hello and welcome to Reader Watch. We are your hosts. I am Michelle and this is Ashton. Hello. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about The Hunger Games. In this case, that is the three books and the four movies, not the newest book because it is a prequel and it is currently irrelevant to what we're going to be talking about, though I may like slip mm. a little nugget about it in. Um, we're yeah, truly not the- talking about it. Plus, the movies were primarily produced uh, as an adaptation of those original three books uh, for that prequel becoming after. So we'll just focus on that material yes. today, primarily. Yes. But in the future, you can look forward to us potentially doing a reader watch about the new one because it is being adapted into a movie, so I've been told. So there you go. No one's been cast mm-hmm. as of yet, so that's, that's to be coming in the future. Um, so <laughs> as with this show, we're going to tell you that typically I am a reader. I like to read things before I watch them. And that is the case of The Hunger Games. I actually read all of the books before I watched any of the movies. Yeah, and in contrast, usually I watch things first. Um, you know, movies are that much easier to comprehend. And usually I'll just go back to the books. In this case, however, I actually read the trilogy before the movies came out. Cool. And for those of you who are wondering, by the way, The Hunger Games is a future dystopian story set in the fictional country of Pan Am, uh, in which 12 districts are ruled by the capital, i.e. the center of governmental power, and is centralized on the titular Hunger Games, an event in which each district sends two children, a girl and a boy, in a fight to the death, broadcast live on TV to the entire country. Specifically, uh, it follows Cactus... Cactus, Cactus Everdeen. Cactus Everdeen. <laughs> That's the one. A uh, girl from District Twelve, which is the poorest and povertyest of the districts in this, and the Civil War and Revolution that follows her Hunger Games. So it's Katniss Everdeen for those who actually don't know. It's yeah. not Cactus Evergreen. It's Katniss Everdeen. That's it's That's about her yeah. and her journey and That's such. Important. Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> um. So I feel like the thing that we need to talk about first is just the casting of the all the movies. All yeah, four there's all there's some cast to to be talked about with these adaptations. Yeah, like these... stuff that they nailed spot on, and maybe some that maybe we disagreed with. I feel like mutually in some cases. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, definitely some that could have been better. Some that were just like I couldn't think of anything better. And yeah. I think with this one, because the Hunger Games books were so popular and so well-known when they were being adapted into a movie, that I feel like that had some influence on who they were able to get in the movies, because there are some pretty big names, in my opinion. Yeah, like a surprising And I think that helps. Major yeah. names. Yeah. So, you start start us off, like, who are you loving in the movies? And All right, who am I love? loving? Okay, <laughs> so before we get to that, I kind of feel like we need to talk about Katniss. Mm-hmm. You know, like she is like the title character. She is the one that we follow, not just in the books, um, but also throughout the entire movies. Uh, she's played, of course, by Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, this is, by the way, where I was introduced to her. I don't know about you. Um, yeah. I almost feel like this is where she kind of made a break into Hollywood. Um, and I, I mean, on, on a character note, I actually really liked her. Uh, I feel like she hit a lot of the character notes for what you get from the book as far as Katniss is concerned. You know, she pulls off the awkward, she pulls off the, the anger, she pulls off a lot of, like, the deeper emotional reactions that you get in there. That mm-hmm. said, I feel like I kind of need to talk about the way her and a lot of people from District 12, in fact, are physically described, mm-hmm. which is, what was it, like, kind of an 
olive olive tone, tone gray gray eyes yeah which um i don't know maybe this is just my interpretation i always read that as like a person of color mm-hmm. um which for those who aren't aware jennifer lawrence isn't as far as i'm aware anyway she's a white girl yeah just in case, just in case you've... Blo- is she blonde in for real or brunette I, I don't know what her actual hair color i think she might be blonde i'm not sure i've I, i've only seen her in movies and she has a rainbow of hair color so <laughs> who knows really um so yeah i don't know I've, i think that's really the only gripe i had with her with her on the casting side other than that i actually really loved her mm-hmm um as Katniss um but yeah so I don't know what what did you think about Jennifer Lawrence Ooh, same kind of kind of similar so she gives me this is going to be a a weird thing to say she gives me Kristen Stewart vibes in her awkwardness Um, I I feel that yeah and and it does work really well for this character because Kat like the thing that people need to remember upon reading the books like Katniss is not likable yeah hates people people don't like her like it's really drilled in it is kind of drilled in in the movies because Hamish does often comment on the fact that she's an unlikable person but like she is not warm at all she is very cold she's actually quite calculated she is has had to live this life where her her big focus is surviving so because Mm -hmm. of that she has mad trust issues like she does not like anyone who isn't helpful to her in some capacity and I think Jennifer Lawrence does a really good job of making her a sympathetic character without weakening that aspect of her so I think she did while all things considered the look of her bums me out a bit um I I also (laughs) saw her as a person of color um so that was a little bit disappointing that they went that route but it is Hollywood and that is kind of to be expected um Yeah. yeah so it is what it is um but I think I think she she nailed it as far as actually playing the character emotionally and even physically um I have some problems with her skinniness <laughs> of course it is Hunger Games she is literally well, starving but yeah. but in the books there is clear mention of her packing on muscle um there's right, a couple okay. different like in the second book and the third book there's a couple chapters dedicated to training and like physically training we don't see that in the movie, so she doesn't gain the accompanying muscle, but I wish that had been addressed. Um, this is just like going into a, a plot difference, but how is she such a badass come the second Hunger Games and everything that follows if she's never been trained as a soldier, as a fighter, none of that. Her being able to shoot an arrow doesn't actually carry her through everything. She actually does, in the books, take a lot of time to train and learn these other skills and get really strong, and I wish that had been follow through because I've, I want to see a strong like not jacked but like a strong female physically physically strong looking right. um, and I wish I wish that had happened for her because it does happen in the books so. yeah and I mean I think there's something to be said about and this is something that I'll constantly harp on about with every single thing we talk about the nature of adaptation and you know the limited time frame you have in a film but at the same time clearly there's training sections in the first and second movies so I definitely agree that there's something maybe a bit lacking insofar as, uh, you know, muscle development or mm-hmm. the, the, the actual training that she put into the Hunger Games. Yeah, because I know, um, well, going to another cast member, PETA, mm-hmm. he, he put on some muscle for the role and then lost it 
as as was supposed to happen obviously because he had time um in the third and fourth movies um but he he put on a lot of muscle for his character of Peta, and jennifer lawrence didn't put on a lot of muscle for katniss and i wish right well uh i think almost to to that aspect uh Peta as a character is supposed to be like this absolute powerhouse i mean Mm -hmm. that's part of uh, the strategy that they put into their first Hunger Games was, you know, strong. And of course, he comes from a baking. <laughs> and of course, you know, he comes from a, from a baking family. By the way, apologies to the audio listeners who didn't get that visual joke. <laughs> but you know, say lovey and all that. That Which, means you just but, have okay. to watch YouTube. Sorry, guys. You just got to do it. Just listen to the podcast. <laughs> By the way, Josh Hutcherson did a such a phenomenal job of making Peter a likable character yes because like in the books like he's described as being like the one who can play a crowd and the one who like actually knows how to do the showmanship thing Mm -hmm. and at the same time being like an emotional emotionally vulnerable guy and Mm -hmm. he does such a good job like even when we get to Mockingjay like when he's has to take on like some anger some aggression Mm -hmm. to you know because of what happened plot wise yeah he nails that role he's perfect and like the only problem I have is again a visual problem is Peter's supposed to be taller than Katniss, but Josh Hutcherson <laughs> is a short dude. And honestly, I don't notice it that much at all because yeah. he still commands like such a presence. I think he is so talented in this role. It's unbelievable, especially mm-hmm. with the hijacking. That yeah. that whole that whole sequence, um, particularly of him choking Katniss holy the emotions that you feel just oh my god that yeah like like, <laughs> like there's a lot to be said about uh jennifer lawrence's emotional range but josh hutcherson brings it in spades at the same time yeah like they oh, yeah. are like they're, they're like head to head as far as like the emotional range that they carry in this series yeah like god even yeah. like in, in like the like subtle looks that they give there's mm-hmm. so much performance that i think is overlooked insofar as like what they bring right. to the table and then meanwhile, uh, um, we have wet blanket Gale. <laughs> God, okay, like, so I need to, so full disclosure, I've always been a bit annoyed with Gale as a character. Um, and yeah, like, oh, for sure. And, and like, um, to his credit, uh, Mr. Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth, uh, does bring a lot of performance to the table as, 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 as Gale. But you're up against Peta, my dude. Yeah, <laughs> there's only so much you can bring. Team Peta over here, like it's not for exactly. anyone who was ever Team well, Gale. What world are you living in? Did you read the same books as us? Did you read the get books? Out. Did you watch the movies? Right. I'm like, I get it that Hemsworth is a specimen. He's an attractive looking dude, <laughs> but that's all he has going for him, truly, I because mean, he like, is such like he's such a friend zone bitch. I mean, okay. Like, so in, in the oh. middle of like in the middle of the first Hunger Games, a, a thing that that like you have, uh, I think I did. I can't remember what the math was. Though, like you have probably a four percent chance of like coming back alive. He's watching mm-hmm. the TVs, being like, "Oh my god!" But she kissed him. They're in the middle of a war. But was that kiss real, though? Come on. Yeah, there's bigger things to worry about, dude. Like I get it, but also <laughs> he has been around Katniss their whole lives. He's yeah. never expressed like any type of attraction to her or anything of that nature until someone else is interested in her. And then he's like, wait, 
I have to compete now. Like, let me get my alpha male pants on. Like, he gets so <laughs> annoying about it. Um, I just, I, Gail's a terrible character. I think Hemsworth did the best he could, but I also just think that character is not written in a way that actually translates super well into the movie. Yeah, because there was a... no point where I'm like, oh, will she go with him or will she won't? It's, yeah. it's very clear that he is not her choice. Yeah, and like, mind you, Katniss as a character not being terribly romantic to begin with. I mean, mm-hmm. she's focused on much larger issues, just like you said. No. But like, I, I feel like we're harping on Gail a lot here. Uh, like, again, I feel like I need to reiterate, Liam Hemsworth does a great job with what he's given there. Uh, this is mm-hmm. kind of down to Carrie Gail as a character at, at yeah. his core. Yeah, he just doesn't adapt well to the movie, I think. Like, he's a little bit more understandable in the book. In the movie, it's... It, all you get of him is those weird scenes of him looking at the yeah. the TV being like, oh my God, she kissed him. And that doesn't do anything to make us as the viewer yeah. like root for the dude. Uh, We're just al- like, you're although, weird. <laughs> although Liam has some phenomenal emotional scenes in um, Mockingjay Part 2. Yes. Yes. Their uh, final confrontation scene is perfection. Yeah. Like exactly how I imagined it, just as painful. Yeah. Like, like he does an emotion like such a good job of bringing that emotion to the table mm-hmm. um so so on the topic of like characters who i think were adapted perfectly getting off of gale there Hamish, mm-hmm. hey oh woody harrelson was such a perfect casting for this character yes. like i'll be honest like i think when i first heard about uh woody harrelson being cast i wasn't entirely sure if he'd be uh, I find Woody, Woody Harrelson an attractive guy, so I wasn't sure if it would, if it would be like a bit too much for the character. But like within mm. the first five seconds, you're sold on him as like as like a yeah. as the as the drunk he is. By the way, how much being the like one of the only, one of two um, victors from District Twelve, so like dude's been through a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like there's like such there, there's a so just because we are going on on a bit, I feel like we need to talk about like a lot of the characters that other characters that maybe were cast in my opinion perfectly caesar and sin no not uh yeah caesar and cinna yeah Yeah. stanley tucci like which by the way i forgot that that was stanley tucci because that's a guy who disappears into his roles oh for sure even before we recorded me like yeah stanley tucci i was like wait oh yeah that is him and like as like the showman that he is he does such a great job of like um Almost making like when you know when it gets into like a TV mode, it almost makes you forget the tone of what you're watching. <laughs> no, for, for sure. I mean, and that was his like that is the character's role in the whole yeah. thing, and I think he just pulls it off masterfully. Yeah, he's so fun to watch. Uh, President Snow. I don't think that they could have got a better casting than Donald Sutherland. Oh yeah. Because oh, yeah, yeah, he pulls off menacing. He pulls off calculating. I bumped my microphone. I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like anyone that, I, you, that you thought were perfect for the role. I need to go back to Cinna for a moment. Yeah, Cinna is. I this is a this is a like a a statement. He's my favorite character in Hunger Games. He is. He's my like, favorite. I don't know that he's my favorite. He is easily top three. He he's literally my he's my number one. I it's crazy. It's crazy of all the characters, and he's truly not well, in I, it that much. But the impact that he has on Katniss and then on mm-hmm. everything 
he is a brilliant brilliant character brilliant man and like oh, i'm well, i'm I obsessed think, and yeah. lenny kravitz is exactly like he's exactly what i pictured when they have like they were for him they were so careful with his description and his mm. flicks of gold eyeliner yeah. is the only description you're given of him and man does he rock that gold eyeliner it's such a vibe it is such a look he brings this like beautiful warmth to the character that I truly I I envisioned being a huge part of this character and it just checked every box for me every scene I'm like oh my god though I do have a slight narrative problem with his story because they robbed him I think in the movie a little bit of his power and his decision making because in creating that final dress for Katniss that would turn into the Mockingjay he says something to the effect of you know, the way he makes a statement is through his art and it'll only hurt him. And he says that to Katniss. So when he is literally murdered in front of her, he's already accepted that's going to happen. He knows that's going to happen to him. And it's just as tragic, but it feels like he, he really went out fighting in his own way. And I feel like they robbed him of that in the movie because he didn't get to make that statement of like, I'm, I, know, I, I know what's going to happen. I mean, he didn't get to verbally say that in the movie, but I... Mm -hmm. I mean, speaking to Lenny Kravitz's performance of the character, I kind of got an idea that just, you know, from the performance, from the way they executed it in the movie, I kind of got the idea that that was his statement, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I feel, I just, I don't know, I wanted him to say it to Katniss specifically. Oh, I get that. That was, I don't know, but oh, he, 10 out of 10. And yeah. okay, speaking of my other capital fave, oh my God, Effie. Yeah. Effie Trinket. Oh my goodness, that's Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. And she is spectacular as Effie. That's a weird character that I wasn't really sure what she was going to play out like, how she was going to sound, like mm. her, her mannerisms, her performance. Elizabeth Banks kills it as Effie. She's so funny and so clueless in just like the perfect way that it really does work as kind of this foil to Haymitch mm -hmm. um, as, as it does in the book. And I just think it's super, super good, except she dies. She's supposed to die. She's not supposed to make it to 13. And I get it because she was such a good character and Elizabeth Banks is such a great person playing her. Yeah, well, I think, But I um, was disappointed that we were robbed of her death, which sounds crazy. Well, I mean, um, I mean, you know, movies being what they are, they didn't really have the chance to develop because uh, it was the makeup team that yeah, originally made it to 13. Prep team. But like, mm -hmm. yeah, it was like that prep team that they had the time to develop in the books. But yeah. I mean, they, they didn't really get that development in the movie, so I can kind of get why they went with Effie. Yeah. Plus, I mean, more Elizabeth Banks, what she brings to that character. It's hard to complain that they didn't kill her because she's so good. Yeah. And the, the final kiss between her and Hamish, they're so yeah. and just, I love it. I love it. It's so not, not necessary, but it's really cute. Mm, I, I it really, it liked really it. was. Okay, so speaking of uh, capital people, um, mm -hmm. I feel like there's an actor that I need I need to mention, and that's Philip Seymour Hoffman as yes. uh, Plutarch. Plutarch Heavenly. Yeah. Heavenly? Uh, yeah. Who was yeah? Who was the uh, the, the the game maker in uh, Catching Fire? Uh, went on mm -hmm. to help the rebellion and all that. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'm pretty sure Mockingjay was his last. Yeah. Uh, his last role as an actor before his tragic death, uh, before its release. Yeah, because he. He's shown in part two, but I'm pretty sure that it's CGI, and that's why he actually doesn't have any lines or anything in it. It's just like yeah, you see the profile has, of his um, face. 
think he, he has minimal lines in there, doesn't he? Or if it's, I didn't it's think like he had a special performance. Yeah, he doesn't have a single line. Um, you just see him at the at when President Coin gets shot. You see him kind of like do a little smirk, right. and then Hamish brings a letter to Katniss from him, and but yeah. and reads it. Right. Yeah, because that was originally supposed to be performed by him, but yeah. And I thought before. that was, I thought that was a good that was a good way around that. Um, yeah. And he was great. He was great. Yeah, because like, he, he really sold oh. that character. So, yeah. I want to say, I can't not give a shout out to my boy Finnick because yeah. 10 out of 10. <laughs> that was not perfect casting. Uh, that was yeah. Sam Claflin, who I'm not yeah. familiar with his other work, but him as Finnick. Oh yeah. my God. His introduction with the sugar sugar cubes, like that little scene between him and Katniss is perfect. His little smirk, his, his kind of cheekiness is mm. so, so great. And then just, oh, I mean, like, you love him so much and then it is really really tragic when he dies like that yeah it's just as devastating in the movie as it is in the book and i think they actually did that death perfectly mm-hmm. because it's so chaotic in the book and it feels like when i was reading it it felt so fast i had to like go back i was like wait did finnick just die Honestly, did they literally same. just kill this dude it happens unbelievably fast and then mm-hmm. it happens in the same way in the movie where it's so fast that you almost don't get to register truly that he's dead until they're running out of the sewers and then you're kind of reminded because you see that wanted poster for him and you're like, no, but he's he's straight up dead. Mm-hmm. And that hurts, especially because he just got married to Annie and they're expecting a baby and it's just so sad. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, has... a great, a great death for that character because that final fight before he does die is so good. It really is. Like they did that part, that part really well because like it was fast in the books. Like it was fast, it was chaotic, but you get, because you get to have a bit more time on it in the movies, that actually sold it more for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, and obviously there are so many other characters that we could touch on. I mean, the other victors, uh, Beatty, Joanna, uh, Mags. Okay. Oh. I cried when Mags died. Oh, Mags is such a champ. Yeah. Joanna, perfect casting as well, I think. She's 100%. Great. She's so good. Yeah, she brought like such a great aggression to that character. I don't think I really hate any of the casting. Now that I'm thinking about it, like I have a like a couple breaks, <laughs> but I think they actually like nailed everyone else. Yeah, like, um, like in, in retrospect, 100. percent Yeah, I'm like going through. I'm like, wait, who don't I like? And I was like, I the only characters I don't like are characters I actually don't like. The character, it's not the actual <laughs> good. So shout out to the casting in this because it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, it was beautiful. And um, moving to another department, the music. Uh, all four movies were done by James Newton Howard, uh, who is a phenomenal composer. And like, literally every every theme, every tune was it sold like the exact tone that I read when I was reading that I was reading the books. Mm-hmm. Like the main theme, the Mockingjay theme, like the action stuff. It was, it moved me. Literally, it moved me. <laughs> Yeah, I have to give a special shout out to the singing. Yeah. Um, so the the two songs, the the meadow song and then the hanging tree. Um, I remember reading the books and it's hard reading a song. Like I'm not a musical person, so I had no idea what that would have sounded like. But I remember going on to YouTube and just searching them. And there were these beautiful songs that people had created. And I found this version of the the hanging tree that was just like hauntingly beautiful. It was so, so sad sounding. And so I was disappointed that that wasn't the one that was in the movie, but the way they put it in the movie as this like marching sound was so creative. 
Yeah. And when you have her singing it and then you see the people storming the dam and they're all singing it, like if that doesn't give you chills, I don't know what yeah. will because that is such a good sequence. Like that yeah, song is so chills. good. Yeah. Which oh, so okay. Good. So I think that brings an important thing to talk about. The books are entirely first person. It's yes. all from Katniss's point of view. So you you learn what she learns as she learns them. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the movies, they actually interject, um, like cutaways to other scenarios, things that are happening in the meantime. Uh, mm -hmm. Like in the first Hunger Games, uh, in, the, in the first Hunger Games movie, you know, it cuts to the game makers, it cuts to political machinations that are happening behind the scene. And yeah. like was in Mockingjay, like it cuts away to points of revolution. Mm -hmm. I, I think that works really well because it's not to say that Katniss didn't understand that these things were happening in the background. Specifically in the first one, she understood that Haymitch was making deals for her in order to get her the thing she needed in the arena. Um, so when they were dropping the little packages, there were no notes in the book. She had to kind of understand what Haymitch was doing. In this case, there were little notes so us, the viewer, could be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I really liked, because obviously they knew when they're making the first Hunger Games movie, they're going to make a trilogy or war movies whatever uh, yeah it ended up becoming a tetralogy sure <laughs> <That> <laughs> so it makes sense that they're setting up this like revolution even in the first one because in the first one when rue dies we do see her district revolt and that yeah. doesn't happen at that time in the original book mm -hmm. but we do find out about it later which brings me to my one of my biggest complaints or things that got changed that i'm like oh i wish they didn't change it and that is Madge. So this is actually the character that gave Katniss the Mockingjay pin. Yeah. So she is the daughter of the mayor of District District 12. So in the book, she's like kind of friends with Katniss. Like they're friendly. Katniss doesn't think they're friends. But when Katniss gets chosen from the reaping, Madge brings her this pin being like, it was my aunt. It would mean so much if you take this with you as your token. Katniss is like, sure, I don't even have a token. It's like, this is fine. Well, like... Um... It's so important though because yeah. the actual story behind that freaking pin which is which is expanded upon in the prequel book so like yes but that pin actually belonged to a past tribute of district 12 and it was the girl who died with Hamish, like in Hamish's game um it's Maisley oh, really? donner who's yeah so i know this is, and this all this all this information is actually contained within the original trilogy of books so madge's aunt Maisley donner was the original owner of the Mockingjay pin. She died in Hamish's game. She was his other tribute in the game oh, that he wow. won. Yeah. So what this pin actually does, besides the fact that it's a Mockingjay, which I'll get into my whole thing about that after, it actually, it's a thing for Hamish more than anything else because it was his partner tribute's token. So he sees the significance of it as like this tie to Maisley, who was his friend back in the day. And Maisley, the original tribute, was Katniss's mom's best friend. And this is oh, all wow. in the books, all in that original trilogy. And they just completely remove all of that by being like, hey, I found it in a market. <laughs> I think yeah, it's cool. Well, yeah, because I, I thought an, an interesting change was that in the books, the, the tributes were allowed to break a token. Like mm -hmm. it was this whole thing where like, you know, yeah, they had to be they had to do security checks on tokens or whatever uh whereas mm -hmm. in the movie it's like they they snuck that they in. smuggle it in yeah it's they yeah. smuggled it in, almost turned that into like its own initial act of rebellion 
Yeah. Um, which I mean, yeah. it's, it's an interesting narrative change, but mm -hmm. yeah, take, taking Madge out of that does definitely change some things or take yeah. something away. Um, it's, it's interesting. And the other thing, because I have a couple of things that I'm just like, I wish they'd done better with in the movie. The other thing is the mutations. So yeah. what I mean by that for people who maybe don't know the books or haven't read the books a million and one times like I have, it's these mutts that they're referring to. So it's these capital creations. Um, so yeah. in the first Hunger Games, you see the dog thingies. <laughs> Those are the mutations. The the monkeys in the second game, um, the weird little alien thingies in the sewer in the, oh, the final one. The, down to the Jabber Jays. Well, yeah. Like so that. that's that's the part I want to talk about because the significance of a mocking jay in particular is actually a huge symbol of rebellion mm -hmm. uh, not just as it relates to Katniss and they don't talk about that really that much in a way that makes sense so the capital back when it was like just the time after the civil war originally that split the districts they created this mutation called a jabber jay which was a bird that would record odd, like record people's conversations, fly back to the capital, and then the capital would replay those conversations. So they'd find out who was traitors and they would kill people. The thing that the capital didn't prepare for was that the Jabber Jays were going to mate with mocking birds, thus creating mocking jays, which were the birds that could carry a tune that they'd mm -hmm. heard someone singing. So that was like the ultimate rebellion from the capital originally so that's like the the actual symbolism behind the mocking jay so it's not just the bird it's it's what it represents it represents the initial rebellion against the capital so it's like so so much more so they miss that completely and they don't go as far into what the mutts actually are and how freaking scary they are yeah because, because the dog mutts are so scary in the book and they're just like big old dogs in the movie yeah well because i think in, in the Correct me if I'm wrong here, but in the Hunger Games, like those big dogs were kind of genetically engineered to represent the fallen tributes. So like it's it's a horrifying moment when you see them in the in the in the first book. Yeah. Like, the, they have the, the tributes' eyes kind of, and they're yeah. and Katniss isn't sure how they got the eyes. Did they rip them out of the dead tributes? Or like and it's it's that like not knowing aspect because mm -hmm. it's meant to it's not just a scary thing that's gonna hurt you. It's meant to like mess you up mentally. The um the final alien things which in the book they're lizards <laughs> they're not like they don't look so humanoid they can go on their hind legs but they're primarily lizard things but the the really freaky thing about them is they smell like snow's roses mm. and that you you couldn't i don't know how they would have put that in the movie besides the character being like why do they smell like roses but yeah, it, what's that you lose, yeah you lose the impact of the word mutt so then when Katniss turns around and calls Peta a mutt, it, it doesn't have the same impact because the mutt is not just a scary thing. It is a thing that is meant to met, like mess with you mentally. Yeah, it's the meant to like is, really fuck you up. Yeah, the capital is very big on psychological torture, not just in the book, or especially in the books, some in the movies, mm -hmm. but yeah, again, nature of adaptation and all that, but yeah. So yeah. I don't know those are my big two, because besides that, honestly, I think it's a really fair like series of adaptation yeah like i think this like they really pulled it off with this one in my opinion um mm -hmm. like you know i think going to many adaptations obviously there's a lot that needs to be that needs to be left out on the cutting room floor as it were um mm -hmm. but the way they executed what they did the hunger games might be one of my favorite adaptations in that regard yeah i 
I'm, I'm happy with it. It's funny because I've read the book so, so, so many times and I've only seen the movie now three times each, um, finishing them today. <laughs> <laughs> and I was actually surprised by how similar they are and how true to the tone and the characters and the dialogue and the sequences. Like it's very, very mm. true. And in all cases, like in, in all of them, I'm, I'm very happy. I know some people aren't happy that they made uh, Mockingjay into two movies. I truthfully mm. don't think you would have been able to it would have to be like a four-hour one movie, and that exactly, nobody wants the, to see that. Because Mockingjay is such a dense movie, like not just like, it, like, inf- like as far as what information there is, like mm-hmm. how much it's plot heavy. happens. Yeah, it's heavy. Mm-hmm. Like characters die. Like there's so much. Like that's straight up war in that one. Yeah, I think that's something that I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about is the actual violence of everything. Because I feel okay. like it's actually inconsistent throughout the movies of when you really see blood and when you really don't. Okay, so, so I th- there I think, are yeah, there are some deaths that are bloody that you see blood, you see the injury, you see the violence, and then there are some that you literally don't, mm-hmm. and you also don't get as much carryover of people getting injured and having to deal with those injuries later on. So the thing I'm referring to particularly, Peter lost a leg in the first yeah, one. Yeah, so that's okay. So I think that's one thing that I will say that the movies could have really picked up upon was that Katniss and Peta literally came out of the first Hunger Games disabled. Mm-hmm. Like, like Katniss was deafened in one ear, which is something that, that's like so critical to how she treats the Hunger Games and how she treats war, um, mm-hmm. all that stuff going forward. And Peta, like you said, because of the leg injury he sustains, like he's like he he isn't like he has it amputated. He has like a prosthetic leg throughout the rest mm-hmm. of the, the the books. Yeah, and that wasn't in the movie. I don't know if that was just like for the sake of convenience or whatever but like like that was such a major part of the characters that i think they missed out on and i would yeah. love to have seen that uh, portrayed uh, especially by those two fantastic actors i know i know i think it, i think it was a bit of a miss because it almost felt that the stakes of the game weren't that high because we didn't truly get to see the mental and emotional toll because we're not getting that that voiceover we're not getting the thoughts from katniss constantly and like they did touch on like the nightmares and that sort of thing, but it's not that full depth. So by having the physical representation of what happened to them in the games of these long forever injuries, I think that would have sold it a bit better. Um, but that's just my, like, I don't know why I want them to be injured, but I wanted them to be injured. <laughs> well, I think, well, it's, a, it's a story thing, right? Like mm-hmm. the, those were very specifically story points, um, mm-hmm. like to, to kind of almost like very physically and literally represent like the trauma that you carry from the games because like they do get like you said like do you get into like the into the mental like the ptsd and what have you Hamish is an alcoholic because he mm-hmm. had to he had to, he's a tribute like he's a mentor to tributes who are just going to die um mm-hmm. like and like katniss and Peta, like they have nightmares there they, there's so much like psychological damage that happens both like in every single way but like her being deafened in in the one year because of the explosion, Peter being an, a literal amputee. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was so much character in that. So I don't think it was so much about wanting to see characters injured. It was the what that what that meant on a character level, what that meant to the story. Yeah, that I think they did. I think in a way miss out on. Mm-hmm. 
this is and this this has nothing to do with those movies or those books but i'm just gonna say it because i think a lot of people share my opinion if you're a fan of hunger games um the ballad of songbirds songbirds and snakes so the newest book which came out in 2020 which follows snow as a child as a young person Hmm. uh didn't need to happen screw that book where's my Hamish story that's okay give the people what they want (laughs) i haven't so so for the record i haven't read the president's snow book i 100 percent agree i don't think snow needed his own his own book Mm -hmm. uh if it was about the tribute from district 12 give her her Mm -hmm. own book what i really wanted which they 100 percent expand upon in the books that they didn't mind you had the time to get to in the movies was how fascinating Hamish was as a character like how like Mm -hmm. like like how how he won his hunger games like what that like how smart he was how clever he was what that did to him as a character i think i bought my mic again but you get the point um yeah i i would rather see because so the ballad of songbirds and snakes i hate that name first of all (laughs) but it i don't know what the purpose of it is because it follows snow and his role in create not fully creating the hunger games but in adapting them to what they become by the time the hunger games movie happens and it's his love story uh, with (laughs) a tribute from district 12 and it adds a lot of like fluff and extra context to a lot of the things that happen in the original trilogy which makes it make more sense why snow has it so out for katniss initially because it seems like his hatred of her is a little too strong initially but then it does it does make sense eventually but i want to see Hamish origin story and because the songbird and snake book it's depressing at the end it did the bad guy wins like he's still alive we know he lives for another four books or three books or whatever yeah uh, well, if we're gonna do a depressing ending of a book i want to see and this is me just being evil i want to see <laughs> Hamish being the mentor to every group of tributes that came before Katniss and Peeta. Because my God, do they not talk about that enough. He won yeah. how many years ago? There's a Hunger Games every year. So every year he is watching two kids from his district die because he can't help them. Yeah, because I think that was oh a major God. point of his character, like why he became an alcoholic was just to kind of numb that. Like he's he's like by the time you get to the first Hunger Games, he is so callous towards Katniss and Peeta. And that's because mm-hmm. By that point, he's seen everyone die, so like he 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 he's given up by that point, yes. which isn't something they really have time to get into in the movie. But like, it's such a major part of his character, and like, mm-hmm. not to harp on act on actors again, not to not to get back to actors again, but Woody Harrelson pulls it off to a T. Yeah, oh, because they don't they don't dive into it enough, but they because like I wish they had that original drunken scene of Hamish falling off the stage yeah because that's like what better character intro for this guy than him falling off the stage at the tribute like oh you just got pulled on the Hunger Games here's the guy who's going to teach you how to do it (laughs) he's too drunk to stand on the stage great um but I think they removed that because it probably would have made the scene too funny and not as iconic as it is like I fall off his tribute like who hasn't said that for things now like that's the Mm. most memed scene in the whole whole series I think oh 100% like I still use that meme like oh, I say day. it all the time. I say it all the time, and, and I also made odds be ever in your favor. Can I also often. like just as a minor aside? These books are political as all hell. Like they're they're like remarkably political, and I think the movies did a great job of um, 
not just portraying how political the games themselves are, the relationship with the districts and the capital, but also like the political gray areas that you get into with Mockingjay. Mm, yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons I, I think I really appreciated the way they adapted them with the cutaways, because mm. if, if it's all from Katniss's point of view, like you said, like she does understand that to a degree, but there's so much more machinations that are happening behind the scene that I think they, they that I appreciated the adaptations making time for. Yeah, I agree. It gives you more of a, a full, well-rounded story by having those cutaways. Yeah. Because if you just had Katniss doing her thing without the voiceover and her thoughts and her understanding and her puzzling through what's happening to her, then we're just watching a story of a girl do some stuff and survive. And yeah. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, good story still, but it's not it's not the story that we need to set us up for what eventually happens. Like, and the, the global or political Im- implications of her yeah. choices. Yeah, because they're huge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us to, of course, the big question of the show. If someone was in no way familiar with The Hunger Games, uh, if they hadn't watched the movies, if they haven't read the books, would you tell them to watch it first? Would you tell them to watch the movies? Or would you tell them to read the books first? (laughs) I'm actually having to think about it. I'm I'm still not prepared to answer this. It's a big question, right? It is a big question because they're both really, really good. I don't think, you know, it's a clear cut where it's like, oh, that was atrocious and that was really good. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm biased because this is how I did it. I think you should read it first and then watch it. I think reading it gives you a bigger picture and I think it makes Katniss a more understandable character in the movies. Mm. Um, I Yeah, so read it, then watch it. Don't read the prequel. Leave it at that. <laughs> all right i've said that i watch things first just because movies are typically more easy to digest in that uh bit of adaptation and digestibility and all that that said i would actually agree with you i would say read the books before you get to the movies purely because of the things that there that aren't in the books because i think that if you read the books it's all from katniss's perspective and the way she understands the world you gain a better political and narrative appreciation for what happens behind the scenes and what they they portray in the show. Not not the show, the movies. I get you. I get you. Yeah. 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 I think that you actually get that much of a deeper appreciation for the movies because of the books. So actually, we we, we 100% agreed on this one. We agree. I don't think we just agreed on anything. (laughs) <laughs> i feel that. like it'd be hard it would be hard to disagree on something like this unless i just came in being like hey mitch sucks <laughs> <laughs> like excuse me um so thank you all so much for watching and or listening however you're consuming our content thank mm. you for consuming it and filling your belly with our things that sounds weird but you get what i'm going for <laughs> uh, this has been reader watch definitely let us know in the comments if there's anything else you want us to talk about we're down for comic books and movies and other things that you read and, and video games that we just like content 100 percent. like let us we, do things yeah like we're not just we're not just talking about books we're not just talking about comics it is reader watch but at the same time if we're talking about we, we're open to video game movies <laughs> super mario any... brothers coming out <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you have any suggestions for 100 percent throw them in the comments maybe we'll get to it yeah 
This has been Reader Watch. I have been Michelle. I have been Ashton. Thank you for watching. Like, comment, subscribe. Goodbye.